you stand with me? We're going to get right into the Word. Right into the Word. And turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So excited about all the guests that are in the room being with us today. It's awesome to have Pastor Kanye with us today in the house and all of our other guests that are with us today. It's awesome to have you guys. And I know the Holy Spirit has something for you as we move from a series on grace, which we may go back to that. How many was blessed by Matt's testimony last week? Anybody blessed by Matt's testimony? If you get a chance, go find that on Facebook. What a powerful testimony of God's amazing grace. And let me say one other thing. I, nobody take naps during the service today. Some of y'all will get that after you read my shirt. Somebody said, I, I normally wear suits, but I wore this, I wore this shirt for me today. It, what does it say? Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. Jesus took naps. How many knows he took a nap in the middle of the storm? And I walked in there and said, somebody said, man, I love your t-shirt. I said, I wore this shirt for me today. It may look cool and be neat, but I am learning to sleep and rest in the storm. How many knows Jesus is with you in the storm? Hit somebody say, take a nap, but not at church. Right after, right after church, you can take a nap. Somebody once said they were sleeping during church. I was just resting in the Lord. I just, the snore of faith. Amen. All right, so John chapter 4. So the next couple weeks, we're going to take a little turn intentionally that God put in my heart. John chapter 4, starting with verse 30. Let me just set this up. He has just ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well, which you're not supposed to even be dealing with them folk. You're not even supposed to go through Samaria. There was major racism, major racism between the Jews and the Samaritans. But how many knows Jesus hates racism and prejudice and all these yucky, evil spirit things that this earth has? God is love. And so Jesus goes through, ministers to this lady that her testimony was pretty messed up, kind of like Matt's. There's no hope for this woman. She's lived with five guys, living with a guy now. And Jesus loves her and explains to her that he's the living water. So Jesus went after a person that everybody else said, there ain't no use in going after her. Then this happens. Then they went out of the city and came unto him, came to Jesus, his disciples. In the meanwhile, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Jesus, you need something to eat. You've been ministering. But Jesus said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Wow. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him something? How many knows we can be um, unspiritual at times? Did somebody already bring him some bojangles? What happened? What's he mean he, he doesn't need anything to eat? Jesus then said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. The reason I'm on this planet is for my Father's will, is what he's saying. And to finish his work, his father's work. And Jesus says to them, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then come as the harvest. And he's actually using a, a, a natural illustration between Pentecost and, and the festivals, which was four months. But he's using it to show them, quit looking in the natural for the right moment. He says, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look onto the fields. 
for they are white already for harvest. Jesus was bringing them to a spiritual well. He was saying, stop waiting for the right moment to tell somebody about the kingdom. Stop waiting for the right moment to share the gospel with, come on somebody. Stop waiting for it to be convenient or when the world says, here's the right moment between 10 and 12 on Sunday. Oh, no, the right moment right now is the right time. Right now is the right time. Full disclosure, these next two weeks is all about the church leaving this building and rescuing people for Resurrection Sunday. Come on, somebody. These next two weeks is about you going and finding that Ethiopian eunuch, for you that know the story, and chasing down their chariot and saying, guess what? There's another way outside of religion. There's another way, and his name is Jesus. Come on, amen? So these next two Sundays, it's all about us leaving this building and finding people that are hurting, that are bruised, people that are looking, and maybe that's you this morning, and God brought you here today because God's plan on your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word in our life. Holy Spirit, speak through me today. Your will be done in this house today through your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. So, no professional message today. I'm getting away from professional messages. I'd rather hear a guy just talk from his heart, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Come on. Or a woman anointed by the Holy Spirit. God has been stirring my heart more than ever before concerning the hurting, the lost, the bruised, the broken. You know, Noah up here today is an absolute testimony and a story of grace. My son was living in another country, not literally, spiritually, was afar off, but God's love chased him down. He was looking in all the wrong places. looking at all the wrong people to fill a void in his life until he found that relationship with Jesus Christ and knew that the antidote for every hurt and every pain is God. Not religion. Religion had never saved anybody. Only Jesus. Only by God's grace can we be saved. Come on. An amazing story of grace. I thought about this morning because I knew what was going to take place, and I started crying in my prayer time because you just have to know the story that I don't have time. It's an amazing story. Noah's story is amazing. And I started crying in my prayer time saying, God, you are so good. It's a miracle what's happening today. The tables were flipped on the enemy. You know, God has a way of doing that. Uh, we don't have to wait to Easter Sunday to talk about it may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. God has a way of setting the enemy up. Just when he thought he won on Sunday morning, come on, somebody. Just when the enemy thinks he won, just when he thought he won with Paul, who was murdering the church, God said, no, 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 I have a plan. Because I'm going to take the worst of the worst of the worst that nobody thinks that I could ever save, and I'm going to show them my grace. The Apostle Paul. So we have the antidote. A title for these next two Sundays, The Church Has Left the Building. Now for you that are older, that title kind of in a way hits you 
Because any of y'all remember Elvis? Some of y'all don't remember Elvis. Some of y'all know of Elvis. But as Elvis would finish, he would finish his concert, and the whole crowd would stick around until there became a great announcement at the end that Elvis has what? Left, Elvis has left the building. And then everybody would, would know he's not coming back out, he's leaving. Well, I want to make an announcement today. It's time for the church to leave the building. It's time for the show to end. Oh, come on. I, I said it's time for the show to end. It's time for pageantry to end. And it's time to leave the building and to declare Jesus in the streets of Tuscaloosa, on your job, at the university, at Stillman, at Shelton State, wherever you are, however old you are, it's time for the church to get outside of the four walls of the building. Can I get a big amen? Why? Because the fields are white. Jesus said, quit waiting for the right moment. Set your eyes on the right thing. The fields represented people. We know that, right? Spiritually, right? He said, look. Look out among you. There is people ready. They're looking for answers. There used to be a song back in the 80s. And I'm going to probably reference a couple songs today, if y'all just bear with me. I just started thinking, man, this must be the song message. I'm a song guy. Anybody like music? A whole lot. I do too. There used to be a song back in the 80s. No, it wasn't a Christian song. But it was a song, I think it was by Foreigner. Anybody remember the group Foreigner? And they they sang a song that now means something different to me. And it was, I want to know what love is. Anybody remember that? That literally came into my heart this week. Yes, foreigner came into my heart as I was preparing this message. How spiritual? Isn't that spiritual? But, but God began to say, that's what all of Tuscaloosa is asking and saying. I want to know what love is. Little do they know it's not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is not a one-night feeling. Love is a person. It's God himself. I want to know who love is. God, God is love. And you're searching and looking and looking and drinking from different cups and drinking from different wells. Like that woman at the well, she was drinking all these natural things, and they will leave you dry and thirsty. But there is a living water that God wants to put inside of every believer that will then share a cup to somebody else of water. Woo. His name is Jesus. It's time for the church to leave the building. I believe the church needs to get out of the mirror and look out the windows at the fields. That's a strong statement. But this is what God has even been dealing with me. Who's been, I've been preaching for a long time, almost 40 years. Ministry 20. But I'm telling you what, there are so many things that I realize now at 46 years old that, man, the church has been looking at itself in the mirror. You ever met somebody that every time they walk by a mirror, they're like, <laughs> selfie in the mirror. You know what I'm talking about? Don't look to your left or right right now because I know there's somebody around you that does that. The fact is we've all done it. But it's time for the church to quit looking at itself. It's time for the church to quit looking in the mirror 
When God says, look out the windows, look, there's a harvest ready around you, and we focus so much on ourselves. We were driving home from spring break this week, and, and, and we were coming from Destin, which, which means you got to go through a lot of those small towns, and we actually went through Laverne, where I, where I grew up as a little boy, and my dad pastored in a whole whole big story there, and we were driving through these areas, and Isaiah was in the car with me, and we just had the most amazing time there and back and on our trip, because the Lord told me just to pour into my son uh, on, on spring break, and, and he even said to me, Dad, I feel like I'm not supposed to invite anybody with me for spring break. I just want to be with you. Let's go to the outlets while we're in Destin. Let Daddy buy you anything and everything now. How I many of those kids know what the right thing to say? Come on. Now, he meant it from his heart, and it really blessed me. And we had an ordained time driving down there four or five hours and driving back. And he looked at me on the way back because we were going to these small towns, and he was laughing, and he said, Dad, why do all these churches, the first such-and-such such church, the first such-and-such such church, the first such-and-such church, and I said, because they're too busy about themselves, about wanting to prove that they were the first Baptist, the first assembly, the first this, the first not, the first that, and I've studied the history of what the, that means in these churches, but the bottom line is many of them came because of splits, so they wanted everybody to know we were the first, not the second. We were here first. My God, when we take our eyes off of ourselves, stop looking in the mirror at us in the church, and let's show Jesus. To, come on, let's show Jesus. Look at the fields. We're so busy looking in the mirror of ourselves. We're so busy shining our lights in each other's faces. My light's bigger than your light. I have five gifts. I prophesy. Oh, my God. Somebody just stop. Gag me. Throw up. I'm sick of it. I'm telling you what. God will use somebody that's messed up, broken, doesn't even have the right theology, but all they know is the name that is above every name. Jesus, and they go out into Tuscaloosa, they go out at the university, they go out on their job, and they say, Jesus, John 14, 6, all I know is he's the way, the truth, and the life. Why this other person has all this theology that they're spiritually constipated because they have religion. I know that. I don't mean to be graphic. I'm just saying the truth. Because they have so much religion, they forgot who it's about and what it means to be a disciple. Somebody say, I am a disciple. It's time for the church to leave the building. I said, it's time for the church to leave the building. So we went on a cruise a couple weeks ago. It was, a, it was our church and another cr church. And uh, there, anybody in this church go with us on that cruise? It was awesome. We had an amazing time. God moved in a couple nights, but it wasn't planned. And I like those kind of moves when it's not planned. We, we ended up in the oyster bar singing about Jesus. We just took over that room, and Jesus came, and lives were changed, and folks coming in with their alcohol, just drinking, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit touched many lives a couple different nights. But one night, we decided as a group to go sing karaoke. Come on, Pastor Gloria. You didn't get up there. Now, don't look at me religious. We decided to go sing some karaoke, and we went into this place where the place was packed out karaoke, and Pastor Christie puts her name in. To sing karaoke. She's going to get me for this. Now, for y'all that know Christy, Mama's here. She's a good old southern girl. She, she grew up singing country. Anybody know what I'm talking about? She plays the fiddle, and she actually clogs. How many would like to see her clog one day for Jesus? So would I. She changed shoes for Jesus now. Come on now. And so she grew up singing with her mom and her dad and all this. So she decides to put her name 
in, in for karaoke. And, and, and what was the name of the song? You, I forgot. What, well, she's going to get me big time. What was the name of that old country song? You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man. Did y'all hear that? The name of the song is You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man. And boy, she brought it. And at the end of it, I went. But before Christy got up to sing, there was some guy who got up to sing. And Lord, my ears were hurting, y'all. My ears were hurting. It was some bad singing. Uh, but there's a guy that got up to sing. And, and, and full disclosure again on something else, I am somewhat of a Willie Nelson fan. It's mighty quiet in this mixed church. Anyways, um, so, so uh, you know, to all the girls. No, 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 so, so this guy gets up and sings this song called You Were Always. Y'all know it too. How about that? You were always on my mind. I love the one part. Tell me, tell me. Anyway, okay, so, so that song takes me in. Come on, somebody. It's a, but you were always on my mind, and then this guy, he did a pretty good job on it. But I got to thinking, I wonder what's always on my mind. I wonder what is on the mind of the church all the time. Rightfully so, we're living in turbulent times where, man, the, what's going on around us can be on our mind. The unrest that's on us. Our family can be on our mind. Our marriage, maybe we're, we're having struggles in marriage and relationships or our finances. A lot of times those things are on our mind. But, it, but I have to stop and ask, what was on Jesus' mind? What was always on the mind of Christ? Because whatever Jesus was always thinking about, because I'm Christ in the earth, and you are Christ in the earth, and the Bible says I have the mind of Christ, I need to find out what was on his mind. Come on, somebody. What was on his mind? John 4 is just a snippet. But it tells us what was always on his mind. People. People. People, 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 people was always on the mind of Jesus. Well, I got to go through Samaria, guys. Oh, Jesus, we don't need to be going up through there. We're going to get in trouble going through Samaria. We're not supposed to even go around. We, need, we can't go through. Jesus said, no, I got to go for one woman. How many knows Jesus will go out of his way for one person? People. There's a woman at the well. He knew it. He knew his father. There was a woman at the well. Since we're in the song mode, I also grew up on some southern gospel. And as I was writing this message, another song came to my mind. It's southern gospel. The song was, when he was on the cross, I got a couple of folk that remember when he was on the cross I was on his mind I remember that southern gospel song grew up with it in the church when Jesus was on the cross I you are you kidding me the worst day ever beaten he was unrecognizable wasn't some little beat unrecognizable even the passion of the Christ movie I don't believe could do it justice as good as it showed the graphic of what Jesus went through on that day. But you're telling me on the worst day ever, people, go revisit the cross. Go revisit the cross. The thief was on his mind. 
Are y'all hearing me? Even mama, any mama boys in this place? Jesus was a mama's boy. Even mama, he looked at John and said, hey, I'm about to exit, but somebody take care of my mama. I love that scripture. Remember Mary. He's saying, somebody please take care of my mama. Boy, I love that. Because it's okay to be a mama's boy. People. He even said with the, close to his last breath, forgive them, Father. For these people don't know what they're doing. People, 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 people. Go and read the Gospels. Go and read perfect theology, Jesus and his life. And everywhere he went, he, it was an inconvenience because people, people were coming. People were going. People chased him down. He was all about people. People was on his mind. Mark 6, 34. And Jesus, when he came out, Look at this. He saw much what? When Jesus went out, he saw people. What happened to him? And he was moved with compassion because they were sheep not having a shepherd. Jesus was always looking for people. And when he saw people, his heart was moved. He didn't get religious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Honestly, and I'm not bragging on myself because I got a lot of faults, but I, I breathe and sleep people all the time as a pastor. I love teaching people. But I love more than that, loving people. This is great being behind here and, and, and sharing what God has put in my heart that I believe is for every person in this place. But I tell you what, put me on the cruise ship again. Not because Scott's going to have a good time, because people, 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 lead me, Jesus. People. There's a woman at the well. She may be at the bar, but that's the well. There's a, there, there's a guy over here that may look like this, but that's really a well that they're trying to fill up themselves. And there's a guy over here. There's a woman over here, but it's a false well. I see people all over Tuscaloosa at the well. People searching. People looking. Jesus looked at his disciples. Hey, you've been fishermen up to this point, catching fish over here, but now I'm going to make you fishers of men. There's a new catch coming. There's a new sea. It's a sea of people. It's Jerusalem. It's the Roman Empire. It's around here that you used to catch fish like this, but now I'm going to make you fishers of men. Look at Jesus again, Acts 10, 37, 38. This is one of my favorite passages about Jesus. It's in the Message Bible. I'm going to read it. You know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a total life change. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and ready for action. What did Jesus do? Because we are Jesus, right? In the earth, right? It's biblical, right? It said he went through the country. Come on, Alabama. <laughs> he went through the country helping Helping 
people and healing. See, a lot of stuff is healing. Who was beaten down by the devil. Why? He was able to do all of this because God was with him. And it says that in the original. God was with him. He was able to do this. He had this type of heart. He had this compassion for people because God was in And when you have God's heart, you will look through your eyes differently. You will hear differently. Come on, somebody. It was all about people. Why did Jesus have people on his mind? Three things, really quick. Number one, write this down. The heart of the Father. The heart of the Father. Why did Jesus have people on his mind? Because he had his dad's heart. He knew his father's heart was about people. We can learn a lot just simply by looking at the Gospels. We've heard so many stories preached on and told that we really miss a lot in it. Peter comes and Jesus says, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Jesus. He says again, do you love me? And he's like, Peter's like, yes, I mean, absolutely. Ask him again, do you love me? At that point, it's awkward. It's awkward. Why are you asking me over again? And I love it that Jesus did not answer, well, if you love me, do this for me. If you love me, when I go to preach the next sermon, carry my Bible. Wash my chariot. Give this. Do this. Jesus was not self-absorbed. Jesus was not all about himself. Because his answer was, if you love me, go feed some people. If you really, and that should be the heart of every pastor and every leader. I thank God for people that serve and people that serve me personally. But my heart is, if you love me, go rescue some people. If you love me, go feed people. Go find people that are hungry and thirsty. Go find that woman at the well. Go find that Ethiopian eunuch. Go find him. Chase him down. He's looking for answers. He's reading the book of Isaiah, trying to figure it out. And he's searching. And when somebody's searching, God will show up. Yes, he will. Because that guy was searching. And there's a lot of people in Tuscaloosa and in your family that you're running from that God doesn't want you to run from. There are people you're trying to get away from at work, and it's the enemy trying to get you away from them. But you're listening to the flesh when God has assigned you to that person that drives you crazy. Oh, I'm talking. I know I'm talking by the Holy Spirit. And the enemy's trying to mess up the gospel. Getting to, He's trying to cause a door that will block the gospel from getting to him. And if you're not led by the Holy Spirit, you'll end up running away from the woman at the well. If you're worried about the Samaritans, if you're worried about what people will say about you going to the woman at the well, you're in big trouble. Somebody say the heart of the Father. Remember, at one point, Jesus was wanting to go through Samaria. And they would not let Jesus go through Samaria. And they were being angry with him and stopping him. And one of his disciples says, Jesus, do you want me to call down fire from heaven? Now, this reminds me of a lot of Christians in 2018. 
that are so reactionary by religion. They don't have the heart of the Father. They said, Jesus, you want me to get them? Turn or burn, flip or fry. They going to hell. Bunch of heathen. And Jesus rebuked them. You know why Jesus rebuked them? Because they didn't have the heart of his dad. He looked at him and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Whoa. <laughs> I'm just trying to help out, Jesus. Yeah, but you got a wrong spirit. You don't have the spirit heart of my dad. No, I don't want you to call down fire. These people don't know what they're doing. Quit expecting out of unbelievers what people do as believers. Quit expecting people at your work to act like they know Jesus. And because they act a fool and act and talk against you, you all of a sudden just throw them out with the trash. That is not the heart of God. When somebody is blind, they're blind. People that are not born again will live for themselves at some point. They are about themselves. What more can you expect? Quit getting mad at your family that doesn't have a relationship with God. Well, I ain't going there this Christmas. I ain't going to the Easter egg hunt this year. Well, good. You and Peter Cottontail stay home then. But maybe you're the one that's going to carry the good news, the too-good-to-be-true news, the gospel. Maybe you're looking in the mirror and not at the field. Come on, is anybody getting something out of this? The heart of the Father. Luke 15, the story of the, 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 the uh, we call it the prodigal son, but it's really the prodigal dad to me, uh, the father. I mean, it, it, it's such a beautiful story that Jesus is telling the, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost boy. And he's telling the story. And verse 1 through 3, I won't even, you can read it up there. The religious folk are, are saying all these things. And Jesus said, time out, story time, story time. You think you have the heart of God, you don't. And Jesus goes in to the three stories, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and how what, what God's heart is towards somebody that's lost, that I will tear up the house to find that lost coin. I will flip over furniture. I will do whatever it takes. I will stand on the front porch knowing that my son is coming home. So you got to move from trying to trust in sometime. You got to take a nap. Come on, somebody in the spirit. You got to move in that place. But, but Jesus was rebuking the religious because they thought they had God, Jehovah's heart. But they didn't. And so Jesus said, time out. I need to really tell you what's on the mind of my dad, which in return is on my mind. I told somebody this week or, or last week, uh, as I was telling somebody, I actually know his testimony. And I said, it didn't matter if the church would have grown to 5,000 people or 10,000 people at Daystar, and we had all this and all this, and we were on this, and we were on television or whatever. That stuff now is meaningless to me because when you have one lost son, does anybody know what I'm talking about? I, 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 when we were walking through some of that there at the beginning, I took Christy on a cruise for her 40th birthday. And we were talking, because so, on my timeline a couple days ago, a picture came up. And I showed her that picture, and, and we made a nice little sweet caption about that picture. But this was in the middle of the toughest 
time of warfare. And I told her, I said, you remember this cruise and what we were walking through in 2013, May 2013? I said, we had a good time the best way we knew how. But boy, would we have a really good time now. Because when you're walking through the warfare, you could be on a Disney cruise and nothing will satisfy when you have somebody afar off. All you can think about is my son. It doesn't matter I'm at Disney World. It doesn't matter if I'm eating the finest of meal. It doesn't matter that I have all the money in the world. That when one of my lost sheep that when somebody is out here nothing will satisfy me. It doesn't matter if day starts blowing and going. I would give it all up and work wherever knowing that my children know Jesus Christ. And I believe when we get to that place in the body of Christ where we are so desperate about people seeing God. Let, let me ask you this. If Jesus, and I'm not here to get into theology and eschatology about whether you believe in the return of Christ, this or that. But if Jesus were to come tonight at midnight and you knew he was coming, which we, know, we don't know the day or the hour. If you had between 11.32 and midnight tonight, what would you do? I'm pausing intentionally. If you knew Jesus was coming back in 12 hours and 28 minutes, what would you do? Who would you talk to? Who would you call? Would you at that point be afraid to tell them? No, you wouldn't. Neither would I. And this is becoming more and more reality as my heart is so stirred for people. The more messed up they are, the greater the testimony. I'm ready for some Saul's to get born again in Tuscaloosa. I'm ready for some people that have persecuted and cursed God to get born again. I'm, I'm ready for somebody that's way up at the university all of a sudden get a revelation of Jesus and it changed the whole university. The Father's heart. He was letting them know, the religious, you really don't ha have an idea of how much God loves his people, his creation. You know, there's people in this room that you struggle with how much God loves you. Or why does God love me? Some of you in this room, why does God even love me? The answer is, it's who he is. You will quit struggling with why God loves you when you realize that's who he is. He can't do anything but love you. Even in your messed up mess. Why does God love you? Not because of anything you've done, but because of his amazing love. He doesn't have love. He is love. Everything about him is love. His love is chasing you down right now. Whether you've been born again or you're searching today, is God really real? Is this religion thing real? God is after you with his love. Love is who he is. He doesn't love you because you deserve it. Say amen. He doesn't love you because you've earned it. 
He simply loves you. That's good stuff. Number two, why did Jesus have people on his mind? Here's something strong. The reality of eternity. You don't hear preachers talk about this anymore. The reality, number two, the reality. Why were people on his mind? It's because he knew the reality of eternity. Matthew 25, 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. This is Jesus. But the righteous into life eternal. A true story in Luke 16. The rich man, Lazarus. True story. Luke 16, 23. And in hell. We don't hear people talk about hell. We don't want to hear about hell. But hell is a real place. It was created for Satan and his angels. Not for any human being. Not for God's. And God will go to the nth degree with his love to chase you down. But Jesus... People were on his mind because he had to tell somebody. He knew midnight was coming. Go look at Jesus. Don't listen to all these podcasts. They're absolutely trying to discount even the words of Jesus. Hell is a real place and heaven. Hell is reality. Heaven is reality. Now the bottom line is when you understand God's grace, it's it's hard to outrun God's love. It is hard to outrun God's grace. That's available to every single person. Jesus knew about eternity. And he knew he had to tell everybody. Okay? Jesus told people. He told people about eternity. We went to the outlets one day this week. You were thinking the same thing, weren't you? I knew you were. See, that's the Holy Ghost. So Isaiah was trying to get my attention because he knew what the Holy Ghost was telling me too. When you're hooked with the Father... You know what's next. Come on, somebody. So Isaiah and I, the girls went shopping in another part of the outlets because how many knows you can't hang with the women? How many knows the men can go through all the outlets in less than 30 minutes? All the men say amen. Okay, so Isaiah and I are walking around, and, and we go into a, a, an outlet store, and I just tell him, Isaiah, I need to get you some new shirts. You, like, you got to have some new stuff. And, and so we walk in there, we pick out the shirts, and, man, we got blessed. But we're about to even get more blessed in a minute. I mean, everything was like 50% off. I mean, these are very nice. It was Banana Republic. Really nice stuff, which I never buy stuff at Banana Republic because it's so expensive. And they don't ever have a sale. Well, how many knows when you walk in and there's favor on you, you will cause a sale? I'll let that sink in in a minute. See, I am a walking sale when I'm at the outlets. Wherever I walk in, I will make a, a blue light special happen. Come on, Kmart. Come on, somebody. I'm fixing to make a blue light special. Just, oh, there it is. Why are you marking that down? Because I just walked in. Come on, somebody. So we're in there. We get to the counter, and there's this older gentleman, had to be close to 70 years old, sharp dude. Sharp, sharp, sharp dude. Really good-looking guy, older gentleman. Had to be close to 70, dressed. I mean, just. And somehow the discussion comes up about God. He brings it up or something. He says something uh, uh, about cursing or something. I don't know how the discussion came up, but how many of God will make something happen when your steps are ordered? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And I talked to him. I had told him how I felt. And, and I said, you know, um, this is how I felt. And I'm also, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And he said, oh, really? Awesome. I said, yeah, I, I pastor in Tuscaloosa. And we're down here on spring break. That kind of, he said, that's great. And he, then he, all of a sudden he paused and he says, i got a question for you. And I said, yes, sir. He said, so I'm a pastor too, but I'm, I'm a lay pastor in a church. 
Uh, and this is a, a big church. And he says, I'm really torn. My pastor has just basically announced that he doesn't believe in hell. And that every person is going to go to heaven. And I don't know what to do because the future of the church, I'm on the elder board and I'm on this. And it's a lot of, lot, a lot, a lot of people. And he's starting to spit out some of this um, uh, Rob Bale theology stuff. And, um, and he says, I don't know what to do. What, Pastor, I need you to tell me what to do. How many knows God will, if you have a question, God will send somebody. And this is what Isaiah Todd talked about. We came out of the store, we had the Holy Spirit all over us because we knew God intentionally sent us for a sale. And while we're at it, we're going to share the gospel. You know, an answer that somebody has. And he says, do I leave the church or that? I said, look. He said his pastor believes in universalism. Anybody know what I'm talking about, universalism? Every God leads to God. That the articles in the Greek were not really there. I am the way that is not really there in the original Greek and all this kind of stuff. And he looked at me and said, what do I do? You know, because he's acting like he should basically stay there and just sit under this pastor. He's not bashing his pastor. He's a very wisdom guy. And I said, you lost me at universalism. I said, I I'm just being honest. There's no way I would stay under doctrines of demons. And I said, I don't know your pastor, so I can say this, but many pastors are going off the deep end. And what's so wild is it says it in the Bible. They will turn to fables, and they will turn to this, and they will turn to this, and doc uh, doctrines of demons. John, first, I believe it's First John, says that. And I, I'm saying, I, I, sir, I love you, but I'd get out of there as quick as I can because I believe in the Psalm 133 principle that whatever's in the head will flow down on you. That's why it's important wherever you go to church because whatever's in the pastor will come down, and I believe in that principle. It's important whose leadership you sit underneath. And don't look at how good they preach. You need to look how they live their life. Go put a camera in their house and check out did they live what they preach to the best of their ability. And I told that guy, and he said, man, God sent you. Thank you, Pastor, and walked out of there. Because I'm telling you, a lot of people are moving to the place where they're not talking about eternity anymore. Now, I believe that you, when, you, when you preach and you tell people about hell, it won't keep them saved, but it will bring them to the fear of God, the healthy fear of God. But scaring somebody won't keep them saved. I don't believe in the great escape, that, you know, that, that type of great escape. But I believe that I know many people that through the preaching that heaven is real and hell is real, that people have come to know Jesus Christ. So take that however you want. Jesus knew that eternity was in mind. He knew he had to tell people because eternity was coming. Jesus lovingly told people the truth. I, use, I say the word lovingly. He didn't peep, beat people up with eternity. Basically, if you preach the good news, that's all it takes. Come on, somebody. The woman at the well. How about the rich young ruler? After he told the rich young ruler what's expected of him to be a disciple, and the rich young ruler said, I can't do it, 
the rich young ruler walked off. Jesus didn't say, oh, wait a minute. Okay, well, let's, let's bargain a little bit. How about go sell half? Jesus didn't turn and chase him. He wasn't a people chaser at that point. Because you can't compromise truth. You can't preach half truth to, to fill your church up. Y'all be getting me when it comes to eternity. He didn't tell me. Paul said, look, I love Paul. At one point in the, in the scriptures and Romans, he said, look, I told y'all. Your blood is not on my hands. I told y'all that I preached the whole council and nothing but the whole council of God. So can't nobody stand before God and say, Pastor Scott didn't tell me. Come on. I love you enough to tell you the truth, not to build my own church. Come on, somebody. Hell is real and heaven's real and I'm going to heaven. Anybody else? Because of Jesus. Jesus had eternity in mind, the reality of eternity. He had the reality of people, that everything we do. In our 101 uh, a couple weeks ago when I was teaching our new members class, I was letting them know everything we do should be about people. Yes, Jesus is the center. Because of Jesus, it must be about people. Why we do what we do, why you serve as an usher and a greeter, why people are over there changing diapers next door, it could be somebody that doesn't know Jesus. That's their baby. They're changing their diapers so that somebody can walk in here and hear the good news of Jesus. It's why we do what we do. We don't go to church because we're in Alabama, because we're in America. When you encounter God in his amazing love, you can't help but switch directions. Now, if you have religion, you're in trouble. You'll be like the Pharisees. You'll care more about the dumbest things than about the things that are right. You'll care more about, they should be dressing this way. Are you serious? Are you serious? You are more concerned about the most religious things. Well, they say they love God and they're over there drinking. Mind your own business. You overeating thing, you. Judging people the wrong way. That is not the way Corinthians says. Okay? There are people walking it out with God. And we don't need to look down our nose. Because it'll come up and bite your rear end the moment you least expect it when you're walking through a tough time. Come on, somebody. We all need Jesus. We all need the grace of God every morning. His mercies are new. Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth. It's even why we give is for people. Do y'all have those pictures, Pastor Shannon or whoever's back there? So Pastor John just sent me these. Remember we, we received an offering for Bibles? Just go right through them. We sent hundreds of Bibles to Pakistan. And, and they gave... Over a 1,000 Bibles, they gave them out. There's our picture for, for our, our church and honored by that. And so Pastor John, it's so cool, this morning contacted us. He didn't even know I was going to mention this. Yesterday, drum roll please, 75,000 people gave their heart to Jesus. 75,000, 75,000 people gave their heart to Jesus. Why? Because we're part of it. We gave. Why? People. Somebody say people. That is what is on the mind of God is you every day. He wakes up about you. 
When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. You're on his mind right now. Whatever you're walking through, Jesus is thinking about you right now. Turn and tell somebody, you are not forgotten. Now think about that. You're not forgotten. That's one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that God has forgotten you. And there's people around this city that were raised in good old Alabama church that feels like God has forgotten them. And we got to let them know God has not forgotten you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. These are all great ways we've given. We serve at church, ushers, greeting, parking lot. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving so that we can affect Pakistan. And other nations, when we receive missions offerings and offerings for, for the children to go to camp, the next generation, send a generation, thank you. But here's my big question. How many are in heaven because you personally shared the gospel? Somebody say next level. Pastor Andrew hit it. We've been stuck. Stuck like Chuck. That, that statement is not to bring condemnation. That statement is to bring a reality. God bless you serving at Daystar. God bless you serving out in the world and loving people and giving toward Pakistan and toward the house of God so that we can touch souls. But how, how much more powerful is it when you share your story? When you share your story of grace, Matt, God bless the offering that you give, but there's a lot of power. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And the. does anybody have a testimony in this place? Come on, I mean, we used to go old school. Anybody have a testimony of Jesus? He brought me from a mighty long way. Well, did he? If he brought you from a mighty long way, you got to tell somebody that doesn't know the way. When you taste and see that God is good, you got to tell somebody to go to that restaurant. When you taste and see that God fulfills every taste bud in your life and nothing else that you taste or drink will satisfy you, you have to tell somebody. If he was coming back at midnight, you would be calling folk that wronged you. You could call in family. You wouldn't be intimidated any longer. He's like, I'm out of here anyways. Might as well just say it. Well, why don't you carry that same attitude right now that somebody could be walking across a bridge down in Florida and a bridge collapse at any second and they lose their life. And because we didn't share the gospel... Come on, somebody. Number three and last. I close. Why was people on Jesus' mind? Why were people on Jesus' mind? This is my favorite one. This fits my personality. Because he was able to see the potential in people. I love this point. This is Scott Chat's line, which I really believe is just God's heart. It's not about you being loud or soft in your personality. Jesus was able to see the potential with, with Zacchaeus. And when Jesus came to the place in Luke 19, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. I'm coming to eat at your house, man. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, how many knows y'all were going to have some days? Mm-hmm. You going to whose house? 
you going to hang out with who? Zacchaeus. What's it to you? They got upset and murmured. That he was going to be the guest with a man that is a, oh, God. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, there's number one, he recognized. Ooh. He was Lord. The half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have taken anything from any man by false, see, this is how, this is how he was repenting. I restore him fourfold, full forward. You know, the, a real buzzword right now is inclusive. That's like a real popular word right now, inclusive. Let's be inclusive. Nothing wrong with that word. Jesus really understood being inclusive. It was the real inclusive without compromise. Jesus knew how to love everyone. Black, white, yellow, brown, Asian, Gentile, Jew, which were Asian, rich, poor, known, unknown, messed up, every tribe, every nation. Jesus understood true inclusiveness, that for God so loved the whole world, all nations. Jesus could see potential in every person. Please grab this Jesus could see potential in every person. And please, what I'm about to tell you, I'm not pinning ribbons on myself. Because, like I said, I, I got my own stuff that God strengthened me in. But I love this point because I so, this, this is my heart. The other night, we, went at, we got back home and we went out on our anniversary. Pastor Christy and I celebrated 27 years on a Friday. And, and so we went out to eat here in town at Chuck's Fish, and we're eating, and all of a sudden, the waiter comes up, Reggie, are you here? I don't want to embarrass you. I don't know if he's here or not, um, and, and the waiter comes up, receives our, our order, and, and that kind of thing, and, and, and I love prophetic evangelism. What I mean by that, it, it doesn't sound as spiritual as it really is, okay? Uh, I mean, it's not as spiritual as it really sounds, and I start to, we start talking to this young man, and we start loving on him and, and, and ask him about his life. And him, him, he's going to school at the university and, and come to find out he's into recording. And so that was kind of my thing for many, many years, writing songs and things. So I was able to kind of hit a vibe with him real quick right there and talk some of his language and that kind of thing. And, and the Holy Spirit just came right there, and I began to tell him the potential that's in his life. And he just lit up. And at the same time, I was ministering the gospel to him. I, know he, I don't know his level of knowing the Lord, but I began to tell him the potential that I was able to see in him. That's what Jesus was able to do. Only Jesus can see somebody that the world sees as greedy, like Zacchaeus, and see him as generous. Only Jesus can see a Mary Magdalene that was a prostitute and see her as pure. Oh, come on, somebody. Only Jesus can see a Peter that was one of the biggest flub-ups and make him one of the greatest apostle preachers where thousands get saved after he flubbed up. What about you? 
What about you? Only Jesus, only Jesus can see the potential in you. And let me tell you something. I could just go off on this because this excites me. Only Jesus can look at every person. You know why he can see the potential in you? Because he's in you. Because Jesus is in you. Greater is he that's in you than all this world. Jesus sees himself inside of you. Only Jesus can see your potential. Only Jesus. When all the world says these things about you, when, when even your history yells at you in your ear of what you are, history's wrong. You're not your behavior. You're who he says you are. You are his beloved. You are bought with a price. You are his treasure. His potential is great inside of you. I don't know who would, we would categorize as the worst case in this, wor- in this church sitting here right now. Who in here thinks like you have a pretty crazy testimony, like you were into a lot of mess? Wave your hand and stick it up really tall. Like, wave it like, yeah. Man. I've been asking God, give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. For most, it, was an, it would be an inconvenience for me to talk to somebody and love on them. It's my anniversary night. Okay, it's about me. I ain't got time for anybody. But when you have God's eyes, it's not messing up your anniversary night. It actually made our anniversary night. We walked out of there and said, wow, that was awesome. God's eyes. Seeing potential in every person. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass you, but who's, here's who, who's here for the first time? Anybody here for the first time today? Right there, right here, back here. So glad you're here. But Jesus brought you here. Jesus brought you here. You may think you're here for something else, but Jesus brought you here. And the potential that is in your life is humongous. God's calling upon every life in this room, the value of who you are. And, and you may be in this room, and you may have been eaten off of like a paper plate. Well, God's ready to tell you you're fine china, that your value and your worth is beyond measure. But I love it that God takes the mess-ups, the misfits, Matt, the misfits. Pardon my French, the screw-ups, those that have blown it big time. And he goes, that one right there. Tells all of heaven, watch this. I'm sending a laborer to them to tell them the gospel, to tell them of my love for them. The greater the testimony, oh, hallelujah, the greater the miracle that's going to take place. Saul, Paul was able to reach thousands because nobody's testimony could line up with his. He's like, y'all think y'all bad? You think you've done some bad stuff? Let me just tell y'all. I killed Stephen. I was the one that was, I'm responsible for stoning Stephen and, and many of the other great Christians in history. Now, he and, I bet Paul and Stephen had a conversation in heaven. God's grace, his marvelous, incredible grace, his love. I want to challenge you today. Go find somebody. Tell them your story. 
How do I tell somebody about Jesus? Just talk, man. Ask the waiter or waitress, hey, what's up with you? Are you, you go to the university or where? Yeah. And watch, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, he'll go, I know that's funny, but that's how I put it. The Holy Spirit will take over your spirit. And you will speak the words of life to people that are hurting and bruised, people that are searching, people that are ready to give up. The people that you've been running for, running from on your job is actually God's plan for to get you to them. The people that drive you crazy are the ones that God's called you to. You're the very one that's been appointed on your job. God picked your neighborhood, Acts 17, 26. God picked where you lived. You didn't pick it. Go read Acts. He picked the very place where your house is. He picked where you live. It even says he picked the year when you were born. You're not a mistake. He didn't want you to be born in 1900, in the 1800s. He picked right now. You were born on purpose, with a purpose, and by a purpose. Jesus. Can you say amen? Come on, can you say amen? Statistics say, sadly, that the longer you're born again, the less you share the gospel. Statistics say, sadly, that the longer a person is born again, the less, the less they share the good news of Jesus. Well, let's flip the script. Let's change that at Daystar. We have two weeks before Easter, and we're going to preach the gospel on Easter. It's not for us on Easter. I said it's not for us on Easter. It's for people that, are, that have a great big hole inside right here that are looking and they're filling it with everything. And the next morning they wake up and, oh, that's gone. It didn't stay. No, it's not going to stay because there's no lasting fullness except Jesus Christ in your life. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for the simplicity of this word. Thank you that you have given us your mind and your heart, the mind of Christ that... I don't want Scott on my mind. I want people. Everywhere I go, Lord, even today I'm going to go out to eat after church, and I pray that you just lead me and others wherever they go, that person at the gas station, wherever it is, the grocery store, that somebody needs to come to Jesus. Lord, give us such an urgency in our heart like never before to share the love of God with those around us. Even those that we're trying to get away from, forgive us. Give us your eyes. Give us your heart toward people. Toward the worst of the worst, give us a supernatural love for people that have even hurt us. May we love them with a love that is an unconditional agape love.